This is The Gifted Kid Complex, the show where the panellists were gifted kids who refused to move on with a satirical take on intellectual elitism by having the most tongue-in-cheek, inane, pedantic and convoluted conversations every week. Introducing your host this episode, her burnout is imminent, it's Taya C. I'm really hungry. (laughs) That's the vibe. That's your tagline? (laughs) That's the first line that you're using to introduce yourself this episode yes um and it, and it fits into the episode i appreciate that thematically it will be appropriate <laughs> we've got a thematically consistent tagline and it's i'm hungry anyway sure. um and every other episode um she's ambitious to the point of hubris the host will be chassis hi i was told to bring a snack today and so i did i was gonna bring a rotisserie chicken because i thought it would be funny <gasps> I did not do it. <laughs> You're going to love what I brought. Um, each panelist here today has experienced a gifted kid syndrome growing up in some way. So I'm Taya. I do a BA in history at Oxford. And I'm Cher. I do a BA in philosophy at UCL. Yes. And I think we haven't been very consistent in doing fun facts. Mm. Um, and I am of the belief that we should be doing it consistently. All right. So my fun fact today is that my favorite, one like one of my favorite foods when I was a child was like matzo ball soup. That is very specific. Yeah. And it comes from like, I was a really picky kid. Mm, so me too. we were in like New York when I was really young. Um, and we went to this Jewish diner and there are Jewish diners in New York and they're incredible. I highly recommend. Um, and they brought me matzo ball soup, which is like a very simple dish. And I loved it. I, I had the giant matzo ball. Like as big as my face. <laughs> so it's one of the few tastes I remember from my childhood. Excellent. If we're going to keep on theme with food, I will say that my fun fact is that I think I'm a super taster. Ooh. That or I'm just so neurodivergent that I'm so <laughs> picky that I can pick out really specific tastes when I don't when I don't like them. <laughs> To me, papaya tastes metallic. I don't really know the taste of papaya. I can't really say I've ever had it that much. Metallic, apparently. <laughs> metallic, apparently. Um, tell us in the cof- in the coffee if you think if you agree. Yeah, just message us. Let us know. As you can see, we're we're, we're food episoding today, but we've got uh, the word of the day mm-hmm. is um, slum gullion. What the fuck? <laughs> I like it. It's a fun word. Slum it's good Slumgullion. to say. Slumgullion? Why does it sound like, it sounds like, and I'm not joking when I say this, this is not a bit, it sounds like a fantasy slur. <laughs> it does, right? It does. It sounds funny. That's why I picked it today. Do you want to guess what it means? You might be able to. All right. Gullion. I'm going to guess. Okay, so... G-U has the same etymological root as, like, gustatory, gluttonous. Yeah. Um, so it's gastronomic, yes. obviously. Slum, we're going to think about, like, the slums. Is it... Wait, what's the word again? Say it for me. Slum gullion. So S-L-U-M-G-U-L-L-I-O-N. Slum gullion. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I can give you a hint. It's, like, a kind of food. It's a kind of food? Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say it was like a like um a descriptor of someone. <laughs> a slur. <laughs> a slur. <laughs> a 
It's a noun. It's a noun. My initial guess, and I didn't think it was like, I just thought it was like a moniker, like a person. Yeah. Um, for someone who eats things of low quality. Okay, slumgullion. <laughs> hazarding a guess. Food that's been thrown out that continues to be eaten anyway. <laughs> You're kind of close. Uh, it it means um, a stew of meat and like vegetables, kind of. How does that have anything to do with what I said? <laughs> I don't know, because you can just throw stuff in it. It's kind of like a hodgepodge of stuff. I see. And it derives from the Scottish gullion, which uh, means cesspool. <laughs> ah, okay. So I wasn't right with the GU being like gustatory. Unless those actually go back Indo-European style all the way back. Because like, you know, like all those root words are going to be like really close knit together, yeah. even though they seem really far apart. Uh, even though they seem really far apart now in modern English. Yeah. Um, it's Scottish. Scottish, but that's anglo is it, it's Scottish. Is it Scots Gaelic so, or is it Anglo? You know, um, I don't know. It just said Scottish. It sounds J.K. Rowling esque. It does. It sounds very like UK. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's Slum very Gullion. British fantasy. It's giving I think. Dickens. Mm. You know, you are so right about that. Slum Gullion yeah. is definitely what Oliver Twist was asking for more of. <laughs> Uh, the earliest recorded usage of Slumgullion in Mark Twain's Roughing It, 1872, refers not to a stew but a beverage. Yeah, it's a it's a weird and fun word. Interesting. Um, Mark Twain coined a lot of words, didn't he? Tintinabulation, he did. I think, was Mark Twain. Yeah. It's a really good poem, by the way, Tintinabulation. Go read mm. it. Um, yes, good word. <laughs> a little bit more colloquial, I think, today, rather than we have we've had a, a few sure. pretty uh insane words and quotes it is still a niche word though it may not be academic but it's still niche yes it's still very hyper specific mm. you can actually if you google slum gullion they'll come with a whole bunch of recipes so we should do that <laughs> we did you happen to bring slum gullion as <laughs> i unfortunately did not as i did not know <laughs> what it was prior to this moment and hence it was impossible for me to have done so um, no, I have not brought something like that. Maybe we should make Slumgullion one day, anyway. We should. One day, that will be a bonding experience for us. So, that leads us to the title of this episode, which is, uh, Don't Yuck My Yum. And this is credits to my friend, uh, who whenever, like, they're always eating something terrible. And I see it, and I go, what is that? And they go, hey, don't yuck my yum. And I'm like, Okay, so that is <laughs> that is the title of with, this episode. With such confidence. <laughs> yeah, no, fully. That's excellent. <laughs> um, so Yucko Yum, Slum Gullion. I might like it. Yucko Yum, I feel like I cannot make any appraisals until I have had it. But fair. I don't think I can have my opinion a priori. <laughs> Especially if it's a subjective one, like preference. <laughs> Have we talked about Mary's room ever? No. You know, like the thing that you can know as many, like, like um, you can know as many things as you can that are like written down about things. So basically Mary was a scientist about color and she had yeah. studied color so much, but she lived in a black and white room and everything. 
And the first time she's in the apple, it's like, does she know what red is? Even though she knows yes. everything there is to know about red. Like, does she know what it is qualitatively? And I think quite obviously she doesn't know what the experience of red would be just because she knows mm. everything about red. Like it's wavelengths and how color vision works and everything. Hence, I do not have an opinion of Slumgullion. <laughs> I think it would be yum. Personally, you think it would be Someone yum? Put Slumgullion in front of me. I mean, um, it's now like an American kind of goulash, and sometimes they put whale blubber in it. Oh, that's um, oh. so I think that's yuck. I don't think I'd like, I don't think I'd want to eat whale blubber, but the goulash I probably wouldn't mind eating. Are you gonna tell us about the recipe for it? What it's made of? Um, there's a whole bunch of variations of it. So if you if you look up like um, Slumgullion, there's like there's some with uh, macaroni. There's like yeah. different ways to make it and there's stew and there's beverage. So I guess it's just kind of like fundamentally a hodgepodge of things, which is kind of what this episode is. I've just hodgepodged a whole bunch of shit together. And that's what this show is all about, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. So if you're at home, uh, please eat some slub gullion and tell us how it is. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> anyway, so moving on. Um, this is the reason why I've brought snacks on today. I thought that... Snacks plural? We could do some... I brought some. Um, we could do some really budget ASMR. Oh. Just for the funnies. I think what I brought is really good for ASMR. Oh, it doesn't really matter because I've got a bit that goes alongside it. <laughs> I brought cheese board. <laughs> This is really funny because I was thinking of bringing charcuterie. <laughs> I brought charcuterie um, to describe. For those of you who aren't watching it, I can barely really show you. But um, I've got some brie. Um, I've got excellent. Uh, it's not a good very cheese. good cheese board. I've got some brie. I've got some comté. Um, I forgot what the other one is called. It will come to me. Gruyere. Gruyere is good. It's not a very good cheese board because. You're meant to have like, you know, one hard, one soft, one goat, one cheap, yeah. one blue, you know? But so this is a mm -hmm. uni student struggling undergraduate cheese board. Perhaps it's not a cheese board, but simply a board with cheese on it. Yes. Um, this is a plate with cheese on it. And I have some crackers and I have some Lovely. Tesco breadsticks. <laughs> Beautiful. Again, I was going to bring either charcuterie or a full on rotisserie chicken. <laughs> Um, however, I did not do those things. I brought something culturally appropriate for Ooh. where I am in my life and who I am as a person. I brought, and this is not product placement, Calbee's prawn crackers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm allergic to shellfish, so that might make me really nauseous, but I'd eat it anyway because those are very yum and not yuck. Those are, these are indeed very yum. I enjoy these very much. I think they are one of the most iconic Asian snacks. They are. Asia has a very big culture surrounding packaged snacks. And I think particularly, um, you could say that Korea and Japan do it the hardest because mm. um, they do even cooked things in packets that you can they just do. get, like sweet potatoes and stuff, which is very cool. But um, yeah, they have a lot of things that are kind of analogous to crisps. Um, a lot of it is more 
um, corn or flour base、mm. or rice base compared to like potato base. Although we do、yeah. have some potato base things as well.、Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been to like Don Don Donkey. Oh, phenomenal place! Love it. Remember the theme、Love、song、it. of Don Don Donkey? I think it's like a Japanese chain store, and they basically just sell like the best snacks known to man. Yeah,、um, <laughs> it's also called. Don Quixote. If you are in Japan, genuinely, I've done this. I learned how to play the song on piano by ear. <laughs> I've played the Don Don Donkey theme by <laughs> ear, and I've done so at a live gig.、Um, also, I've checked the ingredients of the Kalbi prawn crackers: wheat flour, palm oil, whoops, fresh prawn, cornstarch, tapioca starch, sugar, iodized salt, seasoning, baking powder. Let's tuck in. Let's tuck in. Hold on. I thought we were gonna do ASMR. Ah,、uh, you know I don't really do ASMR or listen to ASMR, so this is just budget gifted kid podcast ASMR. <laughs> this might be deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> um. <laughs> yes. It's funny.、Um, you know the reason why I brought on cheese today. This thing called. Have you ever heard of Thai romancy? Thai romancy? Yeah. No, never heard of that before. It's like the art of like telling the future with cheese. <laughs> why did you say that? As if I would like. Have you heard of that? As if there was any chance that I would have heard of that before. <laughs> In fairness, I do know a lot of weird niche shit. However, I feel like that might be even too niche for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it means the art of telling the future through cheese as it like coagulates and like grows mold. And apparently, the patterns of like mold and like holes and stuff are apparently important to like tell the future. Where is this culturally from? Is this Germanic? Yes, Germanic.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it it I think it came from、um, Hildegard of Bingen. Also,、uh, at the same time, well, there's a recorded instance of her doing it, making cheese and reading, doing divination through it. Yeah, she did a lot of cool mystic things. That was kind of her thing. Cool, tyromancy. Uh, <laughs> highly recommend. <laughs> we we just did ASMR, okay, and I think. It's part of the gustatory experience. Yes, like hearing people eat、yes. is kind of part of it. I'm deeply sorry to anybody who did not enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, my my apologies. Your apologies? <laughs> did you did you write that in your script? No. And then you decided it would okay. <laughs> that was improv. I swear. Because I think that would almost be better. Huh? That that you you like it would be better if like a couple days ago you were like haha apologies that's a great bit I'm gonna write that down and you had that prepared. <laughs> <laughs> no, I my apologies is actually something that I say like normally. It's one of my little speech quirks. Your apologies. So I just thought it would be good. All right, cool. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead with the game. So the game is fish out of water. Um, and、oh. this is. This is fun. This is is and it's gonna be stemmy, so don't worry. All right. This is the trivia game where the panelists quiz each other on things the others almost definitely don't know, and only I know what we'll be talking about today. And I will be asking everyone else to tell me about it. And today the topic is the gustatory experience. 
the subjective experience or just like holistically everything there is to do with it on a qualitative and objective level? A qualitative and objective level. So my first question for you. All right. Is what are the five different tastes? Why is this the first question? Is it going to really ramp up in difficulty? Yes. Okay. So sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and umami. Well done. You did there it. There you go. Yay. I knew it. I think that's, I think everyone knows those. So yes. I'm excited to see where this goes. This is, this is a baseline. Okay. So okay. everyone knows it's salty, sweet, bitter, sour, and umami. So cool. my next question is why is salty the odd one out? Ooh, hmm. Okay, I think it's sensing a non-organic compound, right? Mm. That's probably the main thing, or the, at least that's one of the reasons why it's the odd one out, because saltiness is NaCl. Uh, sodium and chlorine are not organic chemistry. It is to do with, like, the compound that it, that makes it up. But it's that the salt receptor, which is called the epithelial sodium channel. That makes sense. <laughs> is like a membrane that allows sodium ions like into certain cells. So the sodium ions ah. come in, whereas like with other tastes, the molecules are, are bigger. So. Oh, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. So let me explain the, the chemistry of this. Yeah, do so that. So basically we have table salt is a salt. So a salt is when you get a cation and an anion together and you get a bunch of yes. those and they form generally kind of, um, they, it, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what you get when you dissolve them is you get ions, free-floating ions. Yes. And ions, by the way, are charged particles. So if you think about an element on the periodic table, if it has an uh, electric charge, then it's an ion. Yeah, so what you have with salt is that you have two, and this is, we, we could talk about how um, table salt often has um, non-clumping agents yeah. and anti-clumping agents in it, so it's not going to be pure sodium chloride. But with sodium chloride, what you get is a very pure thing. It, it's just two elements. Mm -hmm. Because it is non-organic, it's not going to have um, any carbon in it, so it doesn't have those kind of weird squiggly shapes. Mm -hmm. And hence... Yeah, the particles would be a lot smaller. Mm. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. I guess my thing was true, but that it didn't go in the direction that I was thinking, uh, that yeah, you were thinking of. Exactly. So the salt, I think, is maybe I maybe I'm wrong, but I think salt is the odd one out because of the ways in which that the way in which we taste it is like the sodium ion enters versus with other kind of organic compounds. Um, Interesting. It doesn't like enter that way into the tongue. That's really interesting. I don't know if you feel similarly about it but I feel like the taste of salt I've always liked more than other tastes mm. to be honest um and to me salty things um are more flavorful and maybe mm. that's just me um oh and another fun fact about how salt <laughs> recepting works um yeah. because you need the free ions to taste them if your tongue yeah. is completely dry and you just put salt on it you don't taste anything because mm. the ions are not free flowing that makes a lot of sense. Go try that at home. Also, don't swallow a teaspoon of salt. Yes. <laughs> dab it with dab it with a tissue, put some salt on it. <laughs> I tend to like sweet taste. Mm. 
more so than like a little bit more than salty and I taste it quite like chocolate is very kind of heavy on the, mm. on the tongue in terms of like a very rich kind of flavor profile um but I think umami is very rich mm, I do like umami umami is really nice um and for yeah. those of you well actually why don't you explain what umami is because that's kind of like my next question explain what umami is yeah what is umami um scientifically is it monosodium glutamate that's one of the things that does trigger the flavor of umami by the way what you said is msg i absolutely adore msg <laughs> holy <do>. the shit <laughs> one of my favorite compounds to exist isolate like the glutamate essentially mainly like high levels of like amino acid glutamate is what triggers the taste receptor for umami ah okay yeah. i don't feel stupid then i did say something no <laughs> for real um well umami as like a flavor profile was discovered in mm. 1908 oh, okay yeah that's relatively recent it is um it was discovered um by professor kikune ikeda 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 at tokyo imperial university and he cool. noticed a kind of savory taste mm. in foods like dashi, um, asparagus or tomatoes and meat. So as he continued to kind of focus on it, he isolated uh, the seaweed that's used to make dashi, so kombu. Mm -hmm. And in that, he found like um, glutamate, which is an amino acid. Ooh, and side note. Yeah. Side note, seaweed is not a plant. <laughs> What is it then? Seaweed. Um, they are a closely related thing that branched off separately to plants. And they do photosynthesize. But I recently mm. learned, actually yesterday when I went to a museum, that they are a separate branch of the tree of life. And they co um, they didn't co-evolve. They convergently evolved the ability to photosynthesize. It's not unique to Whoa. true plants. Yep. Very, very cool. Anyway, we love, please we love proceed. To, we love to see it. <laughs> um, anyway, so umami taste is imparted by glutamates. Uh, and five ribonucleotides. Like, the big thing that I feel like we kind of toe around and don't really talk about when we talk about um, sensory perception is how physical phenomena become qualitative experiences for us. Mm. And that's like a whole, that's a philosophy thing, right? Yeah. There are some people who think that you can describe it all with physical experiences. Like, we talked about materialism um, in episode two briefly, um, I'm not of that position. I don't think we can empirically observe what we think of qualitative. So like the quality yeah. of seeing redness or tasting saltiness, I don't think we can explain how that works. I think it's just, um, I at least for now, I don't think there's any way to describe how that works. I mean, I, I the thing is, is that like we can say as much as we want about, oh, yeah, the cranial nerves that carry taste to the brain or the facial mm -hmm. glossopharyngeal and vagus nerves. But I'm not thinking about that when I'm like eating, I don't know, cheese. I'm like, ooh, it's cheese. It tastes nice. Like the feeling of biting into it and then like feeling mm -hmm. it kind of melt in my mouth and then also like, kind of like chewing it a bit and tasting all the different flavors and notes. Maybe I'm having yeah. a cracker with it as well and it crunches. Yeah, just absolutely not. We are just thinking about the subjective qualia. So qualia are those um, yeah. experiences that we think of as subjective things, like qualitative mm. experiences. Um, so like redness and saltiness. Um, there's something very animalistic about eating that there a is. lot of 
media like modern media is starting to capitalize on especially in anime there's like a lot of mm. thematically gustatory horror themes like we talk about like Tokyo Ghoul I'm trying to think of other examples Attack on Titan uh, Shingeki no Kyojin where um eating people is a fundamental theme to the horror a demon slayer as well demon slayer yeah um there's so many um people eating or like things eating people or like um beings that can be described as persons maybe not humans but persons eating humans or just other people and that's a weird thing for us to think about um even though like cannibalism does exist in many cultures at different at different degrees for different reasons probably not like the whole body um and it's interesting that at least in western society or westernized society we think of like this is like this ooh that's horrifying mm. thing um and i don't think that theme is as interacted with as it is in asian culture for some reason at least asian entertainment like asian horror that's really interesting yeah there's been a lot of more gustatory yeah. body horror in asia i find with the media I mean, what is really interesting is how kind of disgusted the kind of Western tradition and in many areas in history has been with the idea of cannibalism. You know, when the Spanish kind of arrived in Latin America in the 16th century, they also castigated cannibalism. They saw it and they, you know, sought to extirpate it. And that's kind of, it's just part of an interesting kind of historical phenomena of how we view like eating human flesh uh when when discussing relativistic morality there has mm. been like this this instance of like a guy going around different uh tribes i can't remember in what area but some of them both of them both tribes practice cannibalism but in different ways and they were disgusted mm. with each other and it's interesting to see this is not necessarily so much about eating anymore but just in general like moral relativism so i don't think mm. tay and i are not saying anything about whether we think cannibalism is morally yeah. right or morally wrong or anything we're not discussing no. that but it's interesting when cultural differences are weaponized like that mm. interesting academically awful in practice it's very interesting from like um, a uh, if you're looking at the ways in which different kind of cultures kind of contend with immorality yeah. in general especially also the like eating which is something that all of us do and also like kind of like the physicality of eating right that kind of like yeah it's different um like you know being fed through a tube than it is putting food into your own mouth with your own hands and like biting yeah. into it and swallowing there's something very human or uh, um animalistic about it anyway it's very grounded it, it's something that we have to do as animals and not something we have to do as humans um, mm. And I think it also boils down to that qualitative experience, right? That mm. qualia of feeling the food in your mouth, tasting it and smelling it rather than having just the mm. nutrition pumped into your body. That's actually a really good segue. Oh, great. Because now we're going to go into uh, more of a fun game. It's Yako Yum. <laughs> Except it's got different kind of... I'm I'm picking different kind of historical foods that were kind of used or consumed and beverages for different purposes and different subjective experiences and to represent different parts of culture and history. Mm -hmm. The first one, you might have heard this, it's chicha, it's a drink, and it's a fermented 
alcoholic or um, non, uh, non-fermented non beverage. And it's from the Andes regions. Um, and it's made, it can be made from quinoa, made from peanut or cassava or palm fruit or rice. Um, and what's fun is that women were often in charge of brewing it. Oh. And the reason why is because it was, it had a ritual function. So in kind of worship and general feastage for the gods or deities that they worshipped, um, they would drink chicha. Um, so is this more, it's not like, what do I think? It's more, what do I think I would think? Yeah. Should I have the experience? Yeah. Right. What do you think you um, would think? <laughs> What do I think I would think? (laughs) Um, I think that I would think. (laughs) I don't typically like fermented beverages. I would also like to say that I am now sober. I've been sober for 208 days as of this recording. I just kind of wanted to bring that up because... Because, like, it's not for religious reasons or anything. I just, it's a decision that I I made for myself. Um, Mm. So, anything with alcohol in it, I'm just gonna flat out say I can't. (laughs) Mm. Um, I'm gonna say yuck just because I'm really picky. (laughs) And um, honestly, like, my true opinion is that I'm agnostic about it until I try it. Uh, (laughs) But. I wouldn't think that I would like it based on the description, but who knows? I think it would be nice. I think it would be interesting kind of like, I mean, the reason why it's yum for me is because it's historical. (laughs) And I'm interested in like... That's not how you make your decisions (laughs) on whether you like something's taste. Yes, it is. It's part of the gustatory (laughs) experience, okay? It's part of it. It's yum. Sure. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like yuck is a much stronger response than I would like to give. I'm going to be very agnostic about this. I don't sure. mean ambivalent. I just mean that I cannot make any claims um, with any certainty. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> next, we have uh, astronaut ice cream. Oh, I've had this. I do like it. Do you like <laughs> it? Yum. Okay. I-, I have never had it. it. We bought some and then it stayed in the fridge for like, well, it stayed like outside for like, I don't know, years, and none of us ever ate it. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I like it, but I feel like it's almost because of the novelty that I enjoyed it. Mm. Um, I think it's great, though. So for those of you who don't know what it is, basically it's freeze-dried ice cream. So what happens is all of the moisture of stuff is sublimed out of the thing, sublimated out of the thing. Mm. It becomes this kind of chalky... Um, it's kind of chalky, kind of foam-like. Um, it's brittle, um, yeah, and it tastes interesting. It does taste interesting. I would not <laughs> say that it has ice cream-like flavor. I think you can definitely tell that it was made from ice cream prior. Um, it had it's it's a post ice cream movement, as it were. Mm. Um, I do like it. It's good. It's good. That one I can conclusively say yum. You know, I'm going to say yum as well. I think I'd like it. The thing is, is that actually it was never really used on like spaceships. Oh yeah, this is completely just a novelty thing. (laughs) It's a novelty thing. By 1972, they had freezers on board spaceships. They could just have ice cream if they wanted to have ice cream. (laughs) So 
astronaut ice cream. Okay. Um, lastly, we have uh, this one. I think might be double yuck. Oh no. Um, but it's macanochi or macanoki stew from World War One rations. <laughs> Wait, what the um, fuck? Yeah, macanoki so stew. M A C O N O C H I E. The Macanochi brothers, I think, came up with, uh, well, they patented kind of this like tin of stew um, that they would ration alongside kind of bully beef and like the really awful crackers to soldiers on the Western Front Mm -hmm. in World War I. Um, And it was made with like gristle or like beef and vegetables and turnips and carrots and it was deemed edible warmed up but absolutely revolting served cold why was it so bad if the ingredients seem okay because <laughs> it lasted for like ages on the western front and it totally tasted terrible um and it was laden with chunks of congealed fat oh that was a detail i needed <laughs> to understand what this was <laughs> That was a necessary detail to yeah. to really grasp the, the, yeah. the situation at hand. This is a yuck. Um, yeah, yuck by default. Y- yuck. Um, <laughs> I think I think that was part of the description, right? Like that was part of the exposition you gave me. Also, <laughs> apparently, it caused lots of excess flatulence. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, oh gosh, we got to do an um, episode about things that have caused fat flatulence, <laughs> imodium and whatnot. I think this is a yuck. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would like to agree with you as to that. <laughs> Relatively solid evidence from multiple parties. <laughs> this data has been triangulated. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's um, historical foods. I hope you enjoyed. Um, Great. Does astronaut ice cream count as historical? History is like yeah, more than 30 years ago, right? No. I go with the 10-year rule. I, you know what? I'm, it's foods that are part of history. The space age is totally historic. I'm going to count it as part of the space age. Oh, that's true. <laughs> but okay, sure. Even though it was not used during, during the um, space anyway, age. Anyway, maybe it has weird foods that humans have eaten through history. Maybe it's a better okay. way of putting it. Sure. <laughs> Um, so we've yuck or yummed. We have yuck or yummed. Um, we've talked about the science of food, the experience of food. We've eaten some cheese and some crackers. I ate some prawn crackers. You did. You had crackers. I did. And I had cheese. There we go. It it works perfectly. Um, so it does work perfectly. With that, uh, thank you very much for listening to the Gifted Kid Complex. If you have enjoyed this episode of our podcast and would like to support us, a very simple way to do so is just to let people know that we're here and subscribe so you can come back every week and rate and review us so that other people can find us too. We always appreciate hearing anything you, our listeners, have to say. It's always really lovely to hear good things about what you're making and to know what your audience would like to see in the future. If you'd like to contact us, for example, to make any suggestions or share some interesting stuff with us, you can do so via the link tree in our show notes. Um, and also, if you're able to, we have a Kofi if you'd like to send us a tip.
Um, it is linked in our show notes alongside any references to topics that we've discussed today if you want further reading or if you're curious and we really really appreciate your support um, for now we'll release a few short bonus episodes as and when made out of the fascinating tangents of the ladder and the cutting room floor for free and if we gain enough traction and support we might be able to make even more exclusive content for our lovely regular supporters one day too so if that piques your interest you know where to go the Gifted Kid Complex is created and managed by Shasi and both Cher and I, Taya C, host, write, produce, and edit for the show. And I will be editing this episode. So if it's different, that's how you know. <laughs> it's it's Taya's first episode that she's editing, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm excited. So we record our episodes on riverside.fm and publish with rss.com. So thank you to them for helping us in making the Gifted Kid Complex exist. And finally, thank you to you, our listeners, because you are the reason we can and do make the Gifted Kid Complex. And we have so much fun with it. We've really been having a good time. Um, and we hope you love it too. See you next week for another episode of the Gifted Kid Complex. And with that, I'm going to cry. It's going to be my turn to host. This is our outro. That's the outro.